0: You cannot go through this life, in my opinion, as a Christian, and not see God's handiwork all around you.
1: This is In Good Faith, listening to first-person experiences of faith and belief. On In Good Faith, it's our privilege to hear stories and accounts from believers told in their own words. Our hope is to listen with an open heart, celebrating the power of faith and belief and what those stories mean to the ones who tell them. I'm speaking in good faith today with Mike Hampton, who I met at an event at the Christ United Methodist Church in Salt Lake City. Mike, thank you for coming in to speak today.
0: Absolutely, it's my pleasure to be here.
1: I asked for a short bio, and you gave me this great line.
0: It said, "I grew up attending <laughs> church regularly and often." That is very true. Often, I think, is the key word because of my mother was uh, one of those individuals of old blood, I guess, if you would you went to church. It was as much of life as breathing is, I guess. Mm. Every Sunday rolled around and we got up and we went to church and it included Sunday school and then church service. And then you went home and you had a fried chicken Sunday dinner. And then you ran outside as a kid and played in the afternoon. And then about five o'clock, mom hollered and said, it's time to come in and get ready to go back to church. And so <laughs> so we would go back to church and spend a couple hours on Sunday night. And then on Wednesday. Wednesday, it was time for what we called prayer meeting, and mm. you went to church on Wednesday night as well. Throw in a revival and a, a song a event here and there throughout the year, and yeah, we we went fairly often.
1: You were well steeped in the tradition, let's, <laughs> let's say that. So did you ever question that? Like, Ma, not everybody's going four times a week.
0: You, you know, questioning, and I guess growing up in the Midwest, which was Bible Belt, you know, quite mm-hmm. frankly, I guess we were on the northern end. Central Missouri. Mm. We never really questioned, I guess, the idea that church was important and and really going often wasn't, uh, uh, was important uh, to our our way of life. I guess as a kid growing up back there with lots of other interests like playing baseball with your buddies out in the backyard instead of getting in and washing behind your ears and and going to church again, we questioned why we had to go quite as often, but never, I, I never remember, questioning why it was important
1: over the course of your life living in different places different stages of your life you've actually been part of different christian congregations which i think is actually pretty interesting it is because you'll see both the commonalities Mm -hmm. what is in people's hearts Mm -hmm. what they're there for but you also see different traditions within the christian tradition this is true what good did you get from learning from those different traditions?
0: You know, I, I think more than anything, I realized that everybody has the same end goal if you're a, a mainline or a mainstream Christian mm-hmm. uh, denomination. And everybody kind of has the same goal, the same idea, the same thread of beliefs and of, uh, of structure in what we all call religion. But there's certainly a variety of ways to get there. Growing up in Missouri, it was heavily Baptist, I guess, country, if I, I call it that, and it may be an oversimplification. But I grew up in a non-denominational Christian environment, and so we had affiliated churches around the region that were also non-denominational, kind of mainstream Christian, uh, hardcore belief in keeping the Ten Commandments, and also believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and and those kinds of, of mm. core beliefs. And we were very much like the Baptists, but we weren't called Baptists, and so we didn't really identify closely with them other than our core beliefs. And then, as I got into my middle, I guess, teenage years, that's when you think you're smarter than you really are, I think, and so you start questioning more. Uh-huh. And I thought, why do I, why do I have to go to church all time to be told I'm, I'm going to go to hell if I don't repent, because I felt like, you know, I, I think I repent on a regular basis, mm-hmm. ask for forgiveness of my sins, etc. So I was looking for something more, I guess, um, looking for something a little less charismatic in uh, presentation, I think, something that felt like it was touching my heart and my soul more when I did actually go to church to worship. And so when I went away to college, I had I guess my mother had given up trying to boss me around at that point in time so I started going to, uh, to a Lutheran Church in Kansas City Missouri with my my first wife whom I met at college and it was much more formal of course than the Baptist tradition there was a liturgy and in those days there was even a little bit of Latin in the liturgy and so I thought wow this is this is kind of formal this feels kind of churchy it feels like what I had perceived in my head as worship and so I I kind of fell in love, I think, with that. And then when we got married, I went ahead and joined the Lutheran Church with her, and and that's really where I kind of stepped off into an active Christian faith, Whereas as a child, I was just being raised in it and uh, doing the things that everybody did, going to Sunday school, going to church camp in the summer, and just doing what children do. And then... Um, moving to Utah and uh, being involved with the Lutheran Church uh, in the Salt Lake Valley. I realized very quickly that uh, it had the same core beliefs, I think, as what I grew up with. So it felt comfortable. It felt right. I got more involved again in the administration of the church, you know, the fact that people actually have to do something as members other than just show up on Sunday Mm. morning and then go home. Sadly, my first wife and I got divorced. um, And then uh, when I met my uh, my wife, now we uh, kind of got away from the Lutheran Church because she was a United Methodist, and so I started going to the Methodist Church with her. It's fascinating, Steve, because I started out on one end of the spectrum with the Baptist type approach to worship and, and spirituality and Sunday, what Sunday morning looks like, uh, all the way over on the far end with the Lutherans being very formal, very liturgical, and now the Methodists. They're smack dab in the middle. They have liturgy, but they are much more relaxed in that presentation of liturgy. So it's, it's been an interesting journey for me up and down the scale, and I've kind of landed in the middle. There is so much
1: to ask about in that journey. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, love, I love hearing from you, your experience. Let me jump back to when you were a kid. You're, sure. out, you're out playing. You're mm-hmm. going to school. Yeah. And when you're not in church, did you have some idea— about who or what god was that entered your head if you weren't sitting in a church
0: you know i think i i did um as i think back on that question um i've never really pondered that but i know along the way i guess i never questioned the existence of god and i'm not i'm not sure if that's A healthy thing to do or not, quite Mm. frankly. But again, um, I grew up never being, I guess, the proper language would be never having been given the option to not believe. Mm. And so I just assumed that that was was correct. So when you
1: had some difficult moments, which everyone has in their life. Yes. It sounds like rather than you questioning that, you it sounds like maybe you turned to God to get through those.
0: The first real big traumatic event that probably would have tested my faith and, and other people's faith is the death of my father. Mm. Um, my father was diagnosed with— uh, Uh, testicular cancer when uh, I was five years old. My father would have been about 47, I guess, at the time. And uh, he passed away when I was seven. So he passed when he was 49, just shy of his 50th birthday. I can remember that day fairly vividly, even though it's been a long, long time ago. But I remember moments, I guess, of that day fairly vividly. Everybody was sad. I remember our preacher our church with his wife coming to our school and picking up my sister and i who was older than me and taking us out to their car and sitting us in the car and telling us the news Mm. and i remember
1: which you had been expecting at some point
0: you know i don't think i knew Uh, enough to realize how dire things were my sister is five years older than me and i remember sitting in the back seat of their car and i remember my sister being upset i remember being confused Because I wasn't sure what they said. I don't remember exactly, but I think they may have used the word deceased. And I didn't know what that really meant as a seven-year-old. And so when we got home, I remember following my sister into her bedroom. And I asked her, I said, is daddy okay? And she was crying. And I realized then that the end had come for my father. Was I upset? Yeah, probably. But, you know, as a seven-year-old boy, you think about it for a minute, uh, you ponder it, and then it's like the dog and the squirrel. uh, Somebody throws a baseball outside and you want to go out and throw with them. And so you you survive it much easier, but you also pay the price because you didn't have as much time with your father as as Mm. one would like. So that, I think, could have tested my faith. I know some seven-year-olds who are, maybe more mature uh, than I was at the time. And I think that could have certainly, uh, and maybe even in later years, could have turned a person away from God. You know, asking the question, why? Why did you take my father when I was only seven years old? Because I basically lived the rest of my days without a father figure other than an uncle or a friend of the family here and there. But going back to what you said about driving me closer to God, I think in some respects it did, but I don't think I knew That that was happening.
1: Because you have chosen to get involved in congregations where you've worshipped, I might first ask why when it is easier to just show up and have the service kind of done for you or around you. So first, why? And then second, when you do something like that, you start to realize that people are people and there are personalities that are kind of oil and water to each other. and you get a little chance to be Christ-like. Yeah. <laughs> just...
0: I think the reason why is because a lot is my basic personality. I'm one of those people that has a really hard time if you're in a crowd and somebody says, hey, we've got this really important thing that needs to be done, and I need a volunteer to do it. Who wants to do it? Who's willing to make the effort to, to make this happen? And then it's quiet and it's silence because nobody wants to do it. I have a hard time sitting through that silence and not putting my hand up. My wife would tell you, Michael has a hard time saying no. And I guess I do in many respects. Well, I'm grateful for that, at least that you said yes to this interview. (laughs) Well, uh, there's many blessings tied to saying yes. And I've been exposed to a lot of wonderful things, a lot of wonderful people. But I I think early on when I joined the Lutheran Church especially, which is where I started, I guess that's where I became an adult and uh, had an adult faith and and really got into the – made the effort to study it, learn it, um, understand, uh, have a deeper relationship, as we say, with God. I realized early on that churches, congregations, they don't just happen people have to make it happen the old story of, of you get out of it what you put into it how important it is to become involved and and be part of the solution people needed to be asked you know to do things and when they asked me I again I had a hard time saying no one thing that uh, also gave me a tremendous opportunity to develop a mindset, I guess, of involvement, engagement, was uh, my first wife and I, we moved to Illinois at one point in my early career. In Southern Illinois, we being two hours from St. Louis, which was the center of the Lutheran church, at least the synod that we belonged to, we had no local Lutheran church in the town where we were living. And so we and about two or three other families decided let's petition the church and ask them if they wouldn't put a mission congregation here and see if we couldn't get something going. Mm. And so there were three or four core families that this did it. Is,
1: this is not you being asked. This is you just raising yeah, your hand and yeah, saying
0: – is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is us uh, raising our hands, stepping forward, and then asking the question, what did I just do? <laughs> How did that happen? It was, uh, it was wonderful. There was uh, uh, one family in particular. He was the hospital administrator for our town, and they were very interested and very key in getting this group of people together. We were a young family with uh, a small son at the time. We were, I guess, had enough faith to realize that maybe we could make this happen. And so we stepped in. uh, We started, uh, found a a little place in a strip mall that wasn't being occupied. And so we started holding church services there on Sunday. I'll never forget, there were three of us, three men, that were asked to create the Board of Elders. Well, we had a board of three, and I was one of those individuals. It was a a wonderful experience, even though I had no idea what an elder was supposed to do in that uh, particular uh, environment. And so we lived there for about four years, three of which uh, we had the Mission Congregation. And I'm proud to say to this day, there is a Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Marion, Illinois, and it's all because of our core families that got together and made it happen. Oh, nice! And so when I got to (laughs) Utah and I found a Lutheran Church to transfer membership to, it just seemed to me that, well, I was doing something back there. I should just continue doing it here, and I have to believe that's probably the Holy Spirit prompting me. Mm. And you asked me what I got out of it. I guess what I get out of it more than anything is a deeper relationship, not only with God, but also with my fellow Christians and, and my, my friends that I've made over the years, and people like yourself, people like uh, uh, Jennifer Ristine that you had on this program. Mm. It's been wonderful to have the opportunity, I think, to to be engaged with those individuals, to share what we all believe. And like I said, that core belief is there. It's uh, we, we all may get there a little different sometimes. I feel it has made me a better individual just as a a human being, but has definitely given me a rock, a place to, to fall back to when times are a little bit difficult.
1: You know, that sounds like the teaching that God becomes a man to come to earth to show us how to relate to God. But then Jesus says that if we don't visit the poor, if we don't clothed, the naked and the hungry, that we've seen him Mm -hmm. and not done unto him. And so I love you saying that, that you become closer to the Lord, but also closer to the people, because I think in seeing people that way, you have to see Christ in them. You have to see something divine in them.
0: I agree with you completely, Steve. You cannot go through this life, in my opinion, as a Christian and not see God's handiwork all around you. My wife and I both—we have, uh, because of our relationship with God, we consult God on everything. Minor things, little things, we will pray over it. We'll ask for guidance. We'll uh, we'll ask for a door to be closed and another to be opened if that's what's appropriate. And it's about weird things like what car to buy, you know, or <laughs> or you know, should we be taking this? I'm just trip? letting you know you are not alone in this. <laughs> And I'm I'm sure there are people in the world that think that is kind of ridiculous, maybe. But honestly, my wife and I would both tell you, life is too difficult. And when you've got a a belief and a relationship with God, why not capitalize on that? Why not utilize him as your great counselor, which is what he is to all of us, all believers?
1: So when you have a petition or a concern or you're looking for guidance in some way— how do you find those answers? Is it in the way things unfold? Is it in something that feels like a message in your heart? W- what would you call that? Or
0: or various ways? I think it's all of the above, quite frankly. And sometimes it's the message that you haven't even asked for, the answer you haven't asked for. Hmm. And I think the key there is having an open heart and having an open mind and maintaining that open mind and that open heart. But what you just said, you're absolutely right. I think sometimes it's that still, small voice in your head. I think it's uh, that gut feeling, as we all have. Mm. I told you that we pray a lot about things that seem very secular, very earthly, and don't really matter all that much. I've had a number of opportunities over my career to change jobs and to move into other areas and to move to other physical locations. and, And I've been very blessed in that respect. One of the things that I would always do, and I would always pray about the opportunities, and if this isn't right, Lord, please guide me and then give me the courage to accept the answer. And the last few jobs in particular, I've asked that, and I have come away with that gut feeling. And to me, that was God talking to me. That's not where I want you, my son, is what it's saying to me. Mm. And so I did, fortunately, have the courage to say, no, I'm going to stay where I am. Didn't try to explain it to the employer that was trying to hire me, but I just told him it just wasn't right at the time.
1: That is a leap of faith. And so is that something you feel like you built over time enough trust that you could say, I think I know what this feeling is, enough to base a life choice on?
0: Yeah, Steve, I think you're right. Um, I have trusted that that still small voice or that gut feeling or that visual example that has occurred, you know, somewhere around me, a phone call out of the blue from Mm. someone, or just that inner peace or inner turmoil that is, Mm. I think, that God puts inside of us. And if we'll just listen, it will guide us to where he would, he wants us to be or needs us to be. Because let's face it, we are the hands and the eyes and the mouths and the ears and the eyes of God here on this earth. I also mentioned, I want to share with you something that happened to me that is probably one of the most motivating or moving experiences I've had in my life. I just finished five years at the University of Utah. Hallelujah, I'm now retired. How about that? <laughs> but before that job, I was working a job as, a, as an upper management individual, and I was doing a lot of traveling, and there was a fairly high-stress job. And I was in the great state of Nevada. One morning and I got up about six o'clock in the morning and I had about a two-hour drive to one of our locations out in Nevada. It was uh, probably a spring day. The weather was good. Uh, The skies were clear. The stars were out when I left the hotel to drive to this location. And if you've ever driven across Nevada, other than the interstate, you know there's not very many cars on the road at that time of day. So I'm driving along the road and I am... uh, singing along to the songs that i had uh, in my phone and so playing them through the radio of the car and it was just it was on scramble or you know whatever yeah. it was just in whatever was coming up random and so i'm singing along to the songs and just kind of absorbing and not seeing very many car lights or, or uh, anything, kind of watching for deer and, and any other wildlife that might be out at that time. The sun is coming up in the east, so it's starting to get pink and red and orange and all the beautiful colors of a Nevada sunrise. And as the sun was getting close to cresting over the mountains, just the very moment, and I, you have to trust me on this, the very moment the sun peaked Through between the peaks of the mountains and shown on my face, the words to the song, Here Comes the Sun, came across (laughs) my radio. And I was so moved by that. And to me, that was one of those answers that you didn't ask for. And the answer to me was God speaking to me in that very quiet moment, in a very unassuming place. And he was saying to me, I know you're stressed out. I know you're working hard. I know you're away from your family. Trust me. I'm in control. And that has stuck with me and will stick with me till the day I depart this earth.
1: Mm. That's something that is both very moving, but also something that there are just enough of the fingerprints of God on that that you still can decide yes. what that was.
0: Yes. And and there are people who would say, oh, what an interesting coincidence that's okay. If that's how you feel mm. about that, if that, that if that's how you choose to look at that event, that's fine. I think God gives us that opportunity. I heard and saw his fingerprints, as you mm. put it. And for me, that brought me great comfort and great strength.
1: Because faith journey is a journey, and we arrive in unexpected places or take detours we never imagined <laughs> sometimes. Yes. Are there things that you've feel that you understand better or differently than you did 20, 30 years ago about your faith?
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I think all of us have to, if, if we put forth any effort at all and stay engaged, I think we all have to affirm that we have grown and changed. Again, when I was a young man, Growing up in central Missouri, I was taught certain aspects about the Holy Bible. I also felt compelled to follow every little thing in the Bible and to try to understand every everything that was discussed in the Bible or uh, described in the Bible and what did it mean, and, and it was imperative to know that book front and back. But as I've grown older, I had a relationship when I moved to Utah with a Lutheran pastor. We were talking one day, and I was trying to figure out why is this important in the Bible, and why is that important? And gosh, should we immerse somebody, or is sprinkling enough? And, mm. and uh, what's right, what's wrong? And, and you know, he told me, and I respected him for this, and it stuck with me. He told me, he says, you know, Mike, he said, the bottom line is this. Jesus came to this earth to do the things that we couldn't do, and that was to wash us clean, to be the sacrifice, to, to ultimately be the, uh, the Lamb of God, and to be the ultimate sacrifice and to carry our sins to death, and then come back and defeat death. And therefore, we have the opportunity to enjoy everlasting life with He and His Father and the Holy Spirit in, uh, the, in heaven. If you believe that, all that other stuff, do we sprinkle? Do we immerse? Is it important to drink wine instead of grape juice? Does it have to be real bread or can it be a cracker? All of those (laughs) other things, you know what? Those are rituals, traditions. Yeah, they're important to certain denominations, and I don't deny that, and I'm not trying to rob that from anyone. But to me, it's all about loving one another, being kind to one another, which I believe Jesus told us to do both of those things, to accept one another and to believe on him. And because of that, we'll be okay.
1: It's interesting that I met you at an event where I went to speak to someone after a presentation she had given. That was my intent, was going to meet her. But you were so welcoming, (laughs) and something kept kind of tugging at my elbow. This is who you need to talk to. Well, I still got to talk to her, but I'm, I'm I'm, I'm thrilled to have you in here and to share your experiences. Thank you. And your faith. Mike Hampton, thank you for speaking with me today in good faith. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to In Good Faith. That's our time for today. Thanks to Mike Hampton for generously sharing his stories and his faith. To hear this and past episodes of In Good Faith on demand, visit our website at byuradio.org ingoodfaith or subscribe to the podcast. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds share their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. Email us at ingoodfaith at byu.edu. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon, right here, In Good Faith.